0: To this day, being gay and a part of the LGBTQ community is still not normalised. Only five years ago, in December 2017, the Australian Federal Parliament passed a law to allow same-sex couples to marry. So what happened to those before? Were they bullied? Excluded? Did they hide their sexuality in the darkness? Or maybe they were even killed for it. I'm Sarah McAdam and welcome to Killers Do Exist, where I remind you that even where you live, murders still happen. This episode is called Lies and Protection or Truth and Betrayal. This is the case of Robert Sebekis. 18 years ago, I wasn't even born yet, so I definitely cannot remember what happened on a certain day. How old were you 18 years ago? Can you recall what happened on one day of your life? Maybe you would if you killed someone on that day. On New Year's Eve of 1999, a shotgun and another firearm were taken during a break-in at a home on Dover Street, Aldinga Beach, and was later set alight. On the 13th of January, 2000, 14 days later, Robert Sebekis, accountant and part-time singer, was shot and killed in the Maslin Beach car park. Following the vehicle, a witness claimed that the car struck bushes and a fence after turning onto Chewett Road from Barring Hill Road causing the airbag to go off. That one airbag ultimately provided one of the critical pieces of evidence to solve the mystery. The criminal then took off running across crunchy, dry paddocks in the direction of Port Walunga. Later, a search of the area located a gun bag floating in the sea off Thomas Street in Aldinga, over four and a half kilometers from the crime scene, in the opposite direction of where the killer supposedly ran, but close to where the guns were stolen. The case was left cold and collected dust for years, with limited leads and evidence. In 2016, over in New Zealand, legislation was adjusted to permit access to their data. In 2018, 18 years after the murder, a man named Paul Mararoa was detained in New Zealand for an unrelated offence. His DNA was found to match the airbag sample and he was connected to the murder. Paul was also said to live extremely close to where the guns were stolen and was a friend of the owner. His house was also close to where the gun bag was found, so everything started to match up. They had the when, the how and the who, but they still needed to know why. Why Robert Sebekis, a 42-year-old gay man, loved by his family, was shot and killed 18 years ago. Mauroa was accused of tracking down and killing Sebekis with the stolen gun. But they lacked the true story of what actually happened. Until Paul told his story of the day that Robert Sebekis was murdered. So this is what happened on the 13th of January 2000 according to Paul Mararoa. Paul Mararoa was 25 at the time and went by Paul Taylor, which also made it hard for the police to dig up information. He agreed to pay a $150 drug debt by meeting at Maslin Beach Car Park and delivering a shotgun to a man named Bob who turned out to be Robert Sebekis, who was a 42 years old. When Sebekis obtained the gun, it was turned on Mararoa. Sebekis was threatening him with the gun and told him to get in his car and pull his pants down. Fearing that he was going to be raped and murdered, Mararoa fought the weapon off him and regained control over the gun. Mararoa yelled, it's done, it's over, and to just stop. But Sebekis would not stop. He continued to threaten him, even without the gun, gesturing like he was going to grab Mararoa's throat, and then Paul Mararoa pulled the trigger, killing Robert Sebekis and protecting himself of the dangers that were to come. It was a case of kill or be killed, pleaded Mararoa. Paul says he shot Robert three times and this was evident when a gaping gunshot wound to his arm and significant wounds to his armpit and chest were found. What contradicted his story was the fact that when the body was found, Sebekus was discovered with his underwear down, leaving him exposed. In court, Paul was asked how this happened, and he claimed he did not know. Was that Paul's intention all along? Maybe it was a final act of humiliation. In court, Robert Sebekus' niece, Villia, read a statement to court about the offence's impact on her family. It was hard to know if his death was targeted or random, and I didn't know which was worse, she stated. Robert's family was left in confusion and mystery for 18 years, while his murder was left untouched. So when Mararoa was trialled, it gave them a sense of closure until his story was told. His family was left wondering about the monster who killed Sebekus, only to find out that he was the villain in Mararoa's story. That would definitely be hard to believe. Mararoa had never provided an adequate explanation of what happened that night and according to Villier he put forward a version of events that protected himself from the full extent of what he had done the accused continues to cause pain and suffering for my family I hope this haunts the accused for the rest of his life she shared as Robert was a gay man many were led to think that he was killed because of his sexuality these questions were then directed towards the family making them reflect and think in her statement Villier spoke that she was often asked if, if it was because he was gay and if it was a hate crime and she never knew how to answer that, even though it was something she often thought about. A hate crime is a crime that is motivated by offender's hate against an individual's race, religion, ethnic or national origin, gender, gender identity, age, disability status, sexual orientation or homeless status. Hate crimes are immensely popular but are commonly not reported. This may be because they want to avoid trouble and are scared of the repercussions. In court, Paul had no family or friends supporting him, although his ex-girlfriend was there, but not to show her support. She claimed that she went to see him get what he deserves, as he was very controlling and liked things his way. In November of 2019, after a 13-day trial, the 12-person duty reached a unanimous verdict and Paul Mararoa was convicted for manslaughter, although originally trialed for murder. You may be wondering what the difference is and why it wasn't murder. Well, murder is considered to be the most serious of all criminal offences, but is still closely related to manslaughter. Both are homicide offences, which are crimes in which one person kills another. Murder is defined as the careless disregard for another person's life, or the intent to kill or cause great bodily injury. A fatal assault committed under other circumstances is called manslaughter. A person must have been grossly negligent in order to be found guilty of manslaughter because it carries a lesser sentence. A manslaughter charge may be defended by claiming that the accused acted in self-defense or that the accused was acting under duress, which is why Mararoa was found guilty of manslaughter instead of murder. The maximum sentence for murder is life in prison, however a shorter sentence may be issued. Manslaughter carries a 25-year maximum sentence, which is much less time than murder. Paul Mararoa was sentenced to 9 years in jail, but the judge later shortened it to 4 years due to his leniency with the law, and it's unlikely he'll do something like it again. After nearly 20 years, this case was closed and charges were given, but it still feels like there are some holes in this case. Why would a man that was just defending himself run home to his country three weeks after killing a man and keep a secret like that for 18 years? Well, this was a question that was answered. The accused killer claimed that he didn't come forward because he was young and black and didn't think he would go in his favour. Still, his story was not whole. Why were there multiple gunshots? One could have allowed Paul Mararola to get away from the dangerous Robert Sebekis. But we will never know Robert Sebekah's side of the story, whether he was what Paul said he was or whether he was something completely different.